1: this is the Tom Bernard Show. Filling in for Tom, I'm Dave Schrader along with Doug Sprinthal. Andy Brad Bernard.
2: Cassie Schrader.
1: Stay tuned. We've got a great show lined up for you right after this. Michael Bryant,
2: Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt Then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to
3: settle your case early and cheap. it's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact you?
2: At uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, dot Minnesota com, at dot com, or at eight hundred seven seven zero seven zero
3: zero eight. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant.
2: And now
1: from the Walzer Automotive Group, the one and only Mr. Doug sprinthal
3: well, thank you, Dave.
4: Well, it's good to have you back in the studio with us. Thanks for not doing turning into a Mower Chevrolet <laughs> commercial like you did last time you were on. Well, you know, you make one mistake—that's <laughs> it. <laughs> it was actually really funny. Um, I want to talk for a minute about our the newest Mazda dealership in the United States of America. We uh, we bought Walzer's bought Polar Chevrolet and Mazda about a year ago, and at the time, the Mazda dealership and the Chevy store were in the same building. Both franchises had sort of outgrew that. So we built a brand-new Mazda dealership on Highway 61 right across the street from uh, the Chevy store, home of the big white bear. Um, and you should check it out. The guy that runs it has worked for the company for over 20 years. is a good friend of mine. the general manager's name is Brett Judys. Wonderful person. Stop in, say hi to him, check out their new Mazdas, and, uh, I don't know, have fun. All right,
1: Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. There's a news story that uh, Cher is releasing a new album that's all cover versions of ABBA. Oh, God.
4: Leave Uh,
1: it
3: alone, Cher. Well,
1: she just got done. She's in the new Mamma Mia movie, so maybe she got the flavor for it.
4: Only ABBA can do ABBA. Or do you pronounce it ABBA? Uh
5: huh.
1: Actually, there was a band that came out called A Teens in the. I want to say it was very early 2000s Because Kayla, my yeah. daughter, had uh, their, their CD And they did all ABBA cover mm-hmm. versions And they were actually pretty good I think it's interesting that they're going to come back now They're releasing new music But they're going to do concerts that are 3D holograms of them And they've painted them to look young like they used to
3: That That's not Kind of sad It's sad, more but, than a little
1: sad I, I don't know, being a tech nerd like I am I'm just fascinated to see how they pull it off
3: no, It's interesting, but it's just, I don't know I don't want to be at, ever at the point where they're, like, dressing me up as if I'm not old and sad.
4: Well, let's—I mean, that's what—they do those um, hologram w- with artists that are dead. Yeah, well, that's or, one thing. I mean, there's I mean, no alternative, right? Yeah, you can't really well, help that. that's the whole that. purpose of it, because, like, they did Tupac at Coachella— Mm-hmm. Um, they did that Michael Jackson you know, one. It's like a peanut butter and jelly donut. Just because it's possible doesn't mean <laughs> it you should, should, should do it. Actually, I'm, I want to try a peanut butter and jelly donut. Right, just find one of them $5 a shot joints and I'll do hook it. you right up. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's Willis is here.
1: Oh, he is. Great. Uh, yes. We've got joining us on the line right now and promoting his book, uh, Frustrated Witness, The True Story of the Adam Walsh Case, and police misconduct, Willis Morgan, who was an eyewitness at the mall the day that Adam Walsh was taken. But rather than a sense of relief when the Hollywood Police Department finally convicted a suspect, Otis Toole, in 2008, he felt sick and frustrated because he knows that they got the wrong guy. Willis, thank you for joining us on the Tom Bernard Show.
5: Well, thank you
1: talk to us through this case. It was just to kind of catch people up. Six-year-old Adam Walsh was abducted from the Hollywood, Florida mall on July 27th, 1981. His severed head would be found later at the Florida Turnpike. And no one could have guessed that it would take police almost 30 years to find the culprit or that they even got it wrong and that they were so wrong on this. Why, Willis, do you believe that Otis Toole, who is a well-known Ne'er do well and, and uh, believed serial killer who admitted to many crimes over his life and career. Why do you think they've got the wrong guy?
5: Well, because it's not just me that believes that. It's all the original detectives that were involved in the Adam Walsh case. They all adamantly dismissed uh, Artis Tool and say he is not involved, including the FBI agent that interviewed Artis Tool. Uh, he completely dismissed Artis Tool as well as uh, the. FBI agent who interviewed another infamous serial killer that they the one they dismissed Jeffrey Dahmer and said Dahmer is very likely the suspect and he believes Dahmer gave him as close to a confession as you can get and the reason Otis was dismissed uh, Dave because you know you interviewed other witnesses right uh, like Ginger Keaton and her Son Terry Keaton that incident mirrors the Hollywood Mall incident where a mother went to the mall and with her son, left her son in the toy department. But the only difference between that incident and the Hollywood Mall incident is that Reve went to shop for a lamp, Ginger went to shop for a dress. Other than that, it's a very exact, similar case, including the blue van that was parked right by the uh, fire lane.
1: Now, for a lot of people, John Walsh, if you don't know from America's Most Wanted, was the father of Adam Walsh. And this, this unfortunate, tragic event definitely spurned a, a justice warrior into the world who has done his best to make sure that children and other people would be protected and safe. So there is some silver lining to this tragedy. But this guy's life is so unbelievable. Um, I don't know. If, do you listen to audiobooks at all? I do. Yeah. His, his story When you realize all that really went on behind this, not only did his kid go missing, but then they start interviewing his wife and his best friend, only to find out that they've been having an affair. Oh, I didn't know that. And she wouldn't leave him because of Adam, so now they're questioning the best friend. Maybe you took Adam so that he'd be out of the mix and you two could be together. Suddenly, your world goes from topsy-turvy to completely upside down. And to, to live through the death of a child is unbearable to even think of, but then to just have every wall around you collapse. Wow. I can kind of understand where John might be a little bit more um, distracted or a little bit more in denial regarding all of this because he's been dragged through so much over these 30 years. But, but the evidence you've amassed is pretty uh, compelling. Uh, Willis, why don't you get us started on that? How, how did you first come to believe that the killer was, in fact, Jeffrey Dahmer?
5: Well, because uh, I had an encounter with him at the mall on the same day that Adam was abducted. He, I, I went to the mall. See, I was off on that Monday mm-hmm. for my work where I worked at, uh, for the Miami Herald, the largest newspaper in Florida. So I was going to the, the Hollywood Mall to eat at the German deli, okay? This is like a little market, a deli, a restaurant, everything in one. And it was in that mall. It was a very, very popular a restaurant there. And I was going in to get a pastrami sandwich, but before I went there, I decided to stop in Radio Shack, which was almost directly across the uh, hallway from the deli. And it was while I was in that Radio Shack that I had an encounter with this guy. Now, this encounter, I'm trying to keep this condensed, uh, give you a condensed version of this, but this encounter was so bizarre and so intense that once the, I didn't respond to this guy, and he kept trying to start a conversation with me. And I didn't realize till years later, he wanted more than just conversation. Most likely, he was trying right. to pick me up. But I didn't want to start a conversation, so I didn't say anything to him. Finally, he stomped out of the radio shack. And when he left, you know, I, this is before Adam was abducted, keep in mind. I knew somebody. I had no idea who, but somebody was going to be in trouble. That's how dangerous this guy looked. And so I was watching him, and I saw him walking to Sears. I saw him walk to the far end, and I still kept watching him, and I saw him walking to the toy department. But at that point, I turned around and went home. It was that evening I heard about an abduction, and I always, I always knew it had to be that guy. When I heard about it on the news, the first thing that came to my mind, that guy, that guy did it, he actually did it. That's how certain I was. Now, how can it be that you get this feeling about somebody on the same day and time and location where Adam was abducted, that it could be anybody else but this guy. I just didn't know who this guy was until 10 years later when I saw his mugshot in the newspaper. And that's when I really started looking into this, trying to figure out what went went wrong and why the police kept dismissing me. Because what happened was, when I saw that mugshot, I went back to the Hollywood Police Department and I brought with me the mugshot from the paper. I actually brought the paper with me. And then I called. We have a storage room, because back then it was before the computer age in 1981. So they had a room. We called it the library, but it was actually a storage room where they stored hard copies of all their newspapers. And so if you wanted uh, to do research, you would have to contact the uh, library and you would have to have a, a, a very close date, because they, they'd have to go through newspapers and do manual research. Right. So there was a charge for this. But since I worked for the Hell they didn't charge me. It was a uh, free service for me. And I asked them, I said, do you remember the composites that ran in the newspaper for the uh, Adam Walsh case? And they said, yes, of course they remember. Everybody's so familiar with that case. It's all they talked about down here in South Florida back then. So I said, can you do me a favor? Send me the composite. So I brought that composite to the Hollywood Police station, and their drawers dropped, because I didn't realize it at the time. That composite was a spitting image of the mugshot in the paper Jeffrey Dahmer, but it wasn't the composite from the Hollywood Mall. It was from another mall 60 miles north, where that incident I told you about that mirrored the Hollywood Mall. A mother went there with her son. And by the way, see, you know, uh, this case is 37 years old as of last July 27th. Mm -hmm. And when a case drags on for so many years, witnesses pass away. And you've interviewed uh, Ginger uh, Keaton. Yes, I have. Right? She just passed away a month ago. Right. Yeah, she won't be uh, talking anymore. But, uh, yeah, I was so thankful that you did do those interviews with her. Mm. But, um, anyway, uh, that incident that those witnesses swear was Jeffrey Dahmer and not Otis Toole. Okay, And it couldn't have been honest. This was two weeks before Adam, on July 13th. Now the Hollywood Police Department didn't know about that incident until Adam was abducted and all the witnesses from that incident, from that mall, started calling the Hollywood Police Department as well as John Atwater, the police chief, telling them, hey, everything matches. We know this has got to be related to your case. A blue van, the composites match, the descriptions match, everything matches. But they dismissed it. You know why? The composite didn't match. The composite from that mall, as well as the Hollywood mall, even though they matched each other, didn't match John Walsh's house guest, James Campbell. And that's the quote from the Sun Tattler from the, the lead detective, Jack Hoffman. That's his quote. That's why he dismissed it. Hmm. Instead so of because it didn't fit the narrative. Each other so because it. James Campbell, they dismissed the police chief, all the witnesses, and that was on July 13th. There's documented evidence showing at that date, Otis Tool was in a hospital in Newport News, Virginia. He wasn't even in the state of Florida. So if you believe those incidents were connected, that automatically eliminates Otis Tool. These detectives were just too incompetent to figure anything out until 1991 when Jeffrey Dahmer was captured. And I walked back in there. With the wrong composite, their jaws dropped, because they realized right away that was the wrong composite. It was the one from the Twin City Mall that they'd been dismissing. Not only that one, but others, too, as well as South Beach, Deerfield Beach. There was police chiefs from all over calling them, telling them there's been attempted abductions in their cities. They were dismissing everything. So now, when I went there with that composite, they knew they messed up big time in 1981, and they went into full cover-up mode. So that's what they're doing. And and the Milwaukee police does the same thing. There's murders that happen in the same building where Jeffrey Dahmer lived, the Oxford building, that aren't part of that 17 that that Dahmer's uh, accredited for and admitted to.
1: Well, now let's let's talk about that. I know a lot of people, and we've talked about it on other shows, but just for the audience here spread across Minnesota and, and around the world, the people that say, well, this doesn't fit... Dahmer's MO. He only went for Hispanic or, or ethnic looking young men and and that was his attraction. It wasn't children. How do you respond yeah, so,
5: to that? Uh, well, these, these people are all part of the cover up. Or they're just totally, totally inept and incompetent. First of all, Adam as well as Conrax synthetizm phone were both decapitated. Okay? Those mm-hmm. were his two youngest victims. If that doesn't fit his MO, I don't know what the heck does. Right. Okay? Number one. Number two, whether it fits his M.O. or not, it doesn't account for the fact that he was at the Sears that day in that toy department at the same time and location where Adam was abducted. How do you discount that? Composites to back up the witness's statement. When I contacted all these witnesses, they said, yes, that's the person they were trying to describe, Jeffrey Dahmer.
1: That's unbelievable. And And just to think, I mean, if, if it's true... You have Otis Toole, you've got Henry Lee Lucas, and you've got Jeffrey Dahmer all within about a 20-mile radius of one another actively killing at at the same time. That's
5: that's terrifying. Incorrect. Incorrect. Otis Toole was never in South Florida except for when they dragged him down here one time. He was in Jacksonville. That's over 300 miles away. He's never been here. That's all just made up by a detect- one of the detectives, Joe Matthews. L- listen what happened. Joe Matthews is one of the detectives that w- was involved in the case since its inception. In fact, John Walsh wrote a book, Tears of Rage. The ra- reason for that title is the rage over the way the Hollywood Police Department was conducting the, uh, the investigation of his son. And he called him in his book, bumbling, a bunch of bumbling, stumbling idiots. Okay? Now, in 19... Uh, 19- 87, I think it was February 8th, uh, Fox TV chose John Walsh to be the host of America's Most Wanted, and the the first show aired on February 8th. One of these detectives, his name is Joe Matthews, okay? He heard John got this show, so he called John and befriended him, and John Walsh hired him on America's Most Wanted as the senior lead investigator, so for decades he was on that show feeding John Walsh all this crap about Otis Tool being the guy. All right, so he's one of these. He's the most incompetent of all of them, and he did it. He came to the conclusion that it was Otis Tool without calling not one witness. You've interviewed Amir Taylor. you've interviewed Ginger Keith. None of them will tell you that they were ever called by by Detective Matthews.
1: Right. It's, it's terrifying. We've got more information to share. Willis Morgan, our guest this hour, frustrated witness, the true story of the Adam Walsh case and police misconduct when we return to the Tom Bernard Show.
3: Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Priority Courier Experts, every time you call us, we deliver.
1: We're back on the Tom Bernard Show. In his book, Frustrated Witness, Willis Morgan details his unnerving encounter with serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer in the mall. The other eyewitness accounts of that fateful day and the major flaws that have been part of the police investigation. This is the account of Adam Walsh's abduction and my attempts stretching across decades to find justice for him, is what Morgan writes. Obviously, this has had to have been brought to John's attention and John Walsh's attention and and being somebody who is thorough and wanting to look through every detail and and make sense of this murder of his son. Why do you believe John Walsh has... um, not accepted this or or been willing to to entertain this as, as the possibility that uh that Dahmer was the one involved in the death of his son.
5: Well listen when Dahmer was first captured, Dahmer's own father, Lionel, called America's Most Wanted and told them that he believes his son murdered Adam. Yeah. And and John Walsh put a lot of credence into what he said. And he he called the uh uh, South Florida kept trying to get the detectives to go up to the, the lead detective, Jack Hoffman, to go up and interview Dahmer. It took him like uh, 13 months, over a year to go up there, only after constant prodding by John Walsh and the FBI, because he did not want to interview Jeffrey Dahmer. He was afraid Jeffrey Dahmer might admit to it and and open up a can of worms. And, and so he finally only went up there after John Walsh got a letter from the state attorney's office saying they wouldn't um, seek capital punishment. And he gave that letter to the detective and asked him, okay, go up there. And the detective tried his last time. He said, listen, we don't have money for that kind of a trip. So John Walsh said, listen, I'm making good money on TV, so I'll pay for it. So he paid for that detective go up there. And, and with that letter on the concession on the death penalty, but that detective in the whole interview, because it was a taped interview, nowhere in there does he offer that letter to Jeffrey Dahmer. Nowhere, as John Walsh wanted him to. Mm.
1: How could there have been so many missteps in this case? I mean, it was such an attention grabber. Why do you think that, that these law enforcement officials got so tunnel visioned on one or two suspects and refused to look at, at the logic of what else was going on?
5: Well, because there was just total chaos at the police department. There wasn't <laughs> one detective in charge. So, you know, all these witnesses that were being dismissed were, were, didn't know about another witness so they were individually being dismissed by different people and there was nobody keeping track of anything i mean it was john walsh was right they are the biggest bunch of bumbling stumbling idiots since the keystone cops but joe matthews the, the detective that finally befriended john walsh and he's the one that wrote the manuscript that he, that he named after himself called the matthews report a four hundred page report that pinned this artist tool and he's the detective that wrote a book uh, with a co-author, uh, Les Standiford, titled Bringing Adam Home. And in there, you know, he doesn't mention any of the real witnesses. All the witnesses he mentions in his book are cellmates of Otis Tool, who would say things like, yeah, everybody in prison knows he did it. I mean, what kind of evidence is that?
1: Right. Right. And, and Otis, quote, Otis, Otis liked to brag about things. He He admitted to it, but then he even recanted his own testimony correct
5: many times he's recanted and listen this past july 27th uh, a reporter from fort lauderdale her name is michelle solomon she did a a five episode uh anniversary uh podcast on the adam walsh case and in the fifth episode she interviewed joe matthews she interviewed the the, uh, detectives from the hollywood police department as well as myself and as well as john walsh And John Walsh was very adamant about her. I mean, I don't know if John Walsh didn't realize that he was being recorded for a podcast, but his language was pretty colorful. In fact, it was so colorful, she had to give a warning at the beginning of the show about his language. And he told her if she dares, he told her if she dares uh, open that show with... Jeffrey Dahmer, you will never hear from me again because it's nothing but BS. There's a writer out there trying to write a book and make money off of my son's murder. That's what he told her. So he's, he's in. You know, it's like the Stockholm Syndrome. John Walsh wrote a book, Tears of Rage, because of his anger over these detectives when they finally closed the case and put it on Otter's Tool. Now all of a sudden these are his best friends and colleagues. And yeah. so John Walsh is behind them 100% and he's behind these. these stuck on his closing it's a false closing and he's stuck on it now you know, it's like Patty Hearst you remember in 1974 right. when the uh, what is it the Simuni's Liber- liberation army abducted her and she became so fond of her abduct- abductors that she even robbed a bank with them it took years after she was finally captured to break her out of that of psych- psychiatric treatment you know and right. the same thing with John Walsh I don't know if John Walsh will ever come out of his false closure
1: well, let's let's dip into this a little bit more. Talk to me about the crime scenes that you uncovered as well. I think this is a very important part of the story.
5: Oh, there's so many. First of all, we have a police report with Jeffrey Dahmer's name all over it. Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer, because in 1981, he was only a witness, okay, to a dead man that was found. Now, you know, nowadays, if we knew Jeffrey Dahmer found a dead man, you'd be very, very suspect. Right. They weren't in 81. They had no idea that he was an infamous serial killer. But because back then, I don't, I don't, they didn't know anything except he had Stephen Hicks, he did, that we know about. And we, uh, there's possible murders in Germany. And that, that's all. They didn't even know about any of that. So Jeffrey Dahmer was just a witness. What happened was Jeffrey Dahmer was booted out of the army, trying to keep this condensed again. On um, March 26, 1981, he flew to Miami because. You know, when you get um, relieved of duty from the Army when you're discharged, they give you whatever money they owe you, and I believe he had about uh, $850, something like that, that I calculated from his DD-214 money he had in his pocket, mm-hmm. that in 1981 dollars, he came to Miami with a free plane ticket because you get a voucher when you get discharged, and you can take it to the airport, and, and that voucher is good for any city within the uh, United States. So he decided to come to Miami. And then he worked his way over to Miami Beach. And then he ran out of money, so he started dumpster diving. And this guy uh, saw him dumpster diving behind his store. His name is Ken Halbert. The store was called Sunshine Subs. It was a sub shop. And he felt sorry for this guy, so he gave him a sandwich. A couple days later, he went out to dump the garbage, and he saw him out there eating out of the dumpster again, and he hired him as a busboy. And that's how he got a job. I mean, I guess his resume was dumpster diving. The only one I know, that. use dumpster diving as a resume right. to get a job. But anyway, he got hired as a busboy and that was on, on that police report. Oh, after he was hired, about, according to Ken, after about 10 days of Dharma working for him, Dharma Kent comes back in. it was his turn to take the garbage out now. Not his turn, his job, because you know, as the busboy, at the end of the shift around 5 o'clock, it was his job to take the garbage out. So he comes out He comes back into the store, and he says, whispers to Ken in a very monotone voice. He says, hey, Ken, by the way, there's a dead man by your dumpster. So Ken goes out to look. Sure enough, there's a dead guy there. So he calls the police. The police show up. They want to know who found the body. He says, my busboy. He says, well, get him out here. We need to talk to him. That's how Jeffrey Dahmer got his name all over this police report. But everything in the police report is inconsistent with what he's been telling his boss. You know, uh, and the guy only had one shoe on. So Dahmer in the police report said that the guy was sleeping in the meter room behind the store. So they went to look in the meter room. That's where they found the other shoe, and that's when it hit me. This is where he brought Adam. Because I always knew that Jeffrey Dahmer, since that encounter I had, I knew he was there, was the guy. But I just had no clue where he could have brought Adam. In fact, even when, when after Adam was abducted, I even joined some of the search teams to look for Adam I mean we were looking in people's backyards through garbage bins and you name it and and I spent uh, a whole day out looking for Adam because uh, I felt guilty about you know just turning around and leaving and so anyway um, everything was inconsistent so I knew that had to be the place he brought Adam because I've always heard that you know usually when someone is abducted they bring them back to some place they're familiar with and they feel more comfortable with so, anyway, uh, a TV show got involved in that, ABC Primetime, and they flew down from New York, and they did a TV show about the media room. They hired this uh, CSI expert. Her name is Jan Johnson. She's supposed to be one of the best in the state. And she did uh, um, a field test on this blood spatter that she described as being indicative of a homicidal pattern on that back wall. Keep in mind, this dead man that Dharma, quote-unquote, found didn't have any blood on him so it right. wasn't his blood
1: so it wasn't him so that means but was somebody a homicide else. in
5: that meter room right somebody died in that meter room and the police refused to investigate now so how is that when you have a case like this and they refuse to even investigate somebody died it was described as being indicative of a homicidal pattern and and proof positive for blood, but they could never get DNA on, out of it. You know, with a field kit, it the, the, it, the swab turned purple, which, which is a positive ID for blood, as blood. But it, they never could get DNA out of it, because it was, uh, it was uh, 27 years at that time, right. or 20. 20, 20 i got to guess, the
1: humidity time. and just the, the relative... And the,
5: and the mortared wall with right. the lime in it. If you ever work with uh, lime or cement, you know how it eats your hands away. I mean, so uh, it, the DNA never, never had a chance to get DNA. But anyway, so there's a crime scene. The police don't want to investigate. So that's the one, one of the uh, scenes. And, and also that place where Dharma worked, also there was a blue van. Okay, they had there was two stores, a, a pizza store and a sub shop. Uh, one guy owned them. His name is Mike Pelletier, and uh, Ken Halbert re- uh, managed the sub shop for him. So th- they had three vehicles for the pizza store that did pizza deliveries. And nowadays, I know a lot of these pizza places. You use your own vehicle and you just put a sign on the roof. But back right. then, that wasn't that common. You know, the stores had their own vehicles. At least this store did. So they had three vehicles, and they never really used the, the blue van except in the winter time when it got more busy. Because you know, this is uh, sunny Isles in Florida is a tourist area. There's all hotels right along the ocean. There right. big hotel, so so they get a lot a of, lot of traffic down here in the winter time. But this was keep in mind. This is in june of eighty one so this is in the middle of the summer or July I should say of eighty one so this is in the middle of the summer, so it was very slow, so they only used the two white vans. The blue van was mostly just sitting in the back of the parking, in the parking lot, so all the employees were taking it and using it.
1: They all had access even to even it. did they anybody ever it. complain or say that there was any kind of uh, weird smell or residue, anything at any point that might have led them to believe that, that Adam had been transported in the van at one point?
5: No. No, not really, not that I ever heard or know of, but uh, Adam wasn't necessarily murdered in that van where the blood spatter is, right. is where I he was murdered in that meter room. And uh, according to one of the witnesses, uh, I believe Adam's severed head may have been put in a bucket and transported to the place where it was found. The reason I say that is because on it, his severed head was found on August 10th, keep in mind Adam was abducted on July 27th, so right. we're talking about several weeks uh, after his abduction. Uh, the severed head was found. Okay, that would be, again, uh, August 10th it was found. Now, several witnesses, in fact four witnesses, saw a blue van at that site where the severed head was found. Two of those witnesses saw the uh, van there on, on August uh, 7th, so that would be been like two and a half days before it was found because it was at midnight, 12.30 in the morning. And so that would have been two and a half to three days after it was uh, found. Now, I contacted all those witnesses from that site, and one of the witnesses told me he, when uh, Adam Severed Head was found, he suspected that that was related. So he called the Hollywood Police Department and told them that he saw a man in a blue van Stopped. He was standing on this little bridge with a white bucket. He took something out of the white bucket and threw it. Something round out of the white bucket and threw it into the water. You know what he was told by the detective that he talked to. He doesn't know who the detective was. He doesn't recall his name. What? But he was told, "Yeah, yeah, we already know about the blue van. It has nothing to do with the Adam Walsh case."
1: So stupid. So what, were, just dismissive, yeah, left and right over or over facts that many people are reporting they're looking past these composite drawings they're looking past the fact that the blue van was was seen and just they got tunnel vision they, they found who they believed were their their top um, suspects and just wouldn't release that's where they that's where their focus stayed
5: exactly they got wow, so focused brutal. on James Campbell I mean they, they grilled him month after month. Uh you know John was finally hired an attorney to get them to send them a letter to leave Campbell alone. It's the only way they would finally stop bothering him. You know I mean they were calling him every kind of name you could think of case well, you could hear him all the way down the hallway screaming at him, calling hold, him hold tight Willis, what.
1: we have to take a break We'll come back and continue this
3: conversation here on the Tom Bernard show. Tom here for Sabre plumbing, heating, and air conditioning.
0: Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you, or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on Earth. You have these things because the US military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet Earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life for your freedom, and all too often they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us it's a small thing we do, it was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org that's goldstarride.org Make a donation today. Don't have music.
1: All right, so we can hum. We can. Welcome back to the
0: Tom Bernard Show.
1: I'm Dave Schrader. Today we're talking with Willis Morgan. Frustrated witness, his book not only implicates Jeffrey Dahmer, but presents the facts to the court of public opinion in hope that uh, it will ultimately bring justice for Adam Walsh. We've been hearing some of the more uh, compelling arguments that you've made, and again, it's it's. I don't, you know, to me, maybe because I've heard your story so often, Willis, and I've I've seen all of the information on it, it, it just makes sense to me. As I was talking off air with the guys in the studio here, you know, what are the odds that you have one of the most prolific and horrific serial killers just miles away, who was also witnessed at the mall the day that Adam Walsh vanished, who had access to a blue van, and. That he hasn't had more scrutiny, you know, uh, and, and more uh, of the light shown on him regarding this, is beyond me. It, it it leaves at least enough of a shadow of a doubt that it could be anybody else. That I think they definitely need to reinvestigate this case. Do you think it's ever going to get that reinvigoration without the nod of John Walsh? I'm I'm pretty sure if John Walsh came out tomorrow and said, you know what? I think this needs to be reopened, I believe they would reopen it. I think out of courtesy to John Walsh is why they're just leaving things alone. Do you believe that might have a, a big factor into why the, the police department just wants to leave this be, aside from then having to admit their mistakes and the fact that a lot of those people have now moved up in the ranks throughout law enforcement? Uh, you know, Do you think we'll ever see it happen without the nod of John Walsh?
5: No, and... and, and They've not only moved up to the ranks, but they're all hiding in their retirement, most of them. You know, so they, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, like I said, Michelle Solomon did a podcast about it. She tried to contact the police chief. He said, everything I said during that closing is all I have to say. He won't say anything further. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I mean, they're all in the cover-up mode. But let me tell you, the, the you know, I filed a lawsuit against this detective, Joe Matthews, okay? Now, we talked about that blue van. That blue van is at all three locations relevant to Adam's abduction. At the Hollywood Mall, numerous witnesses saw Adam being tossed into a blue van, okay? At the uh, site where Adam's severed head was found, okay? Uh, Witnesses saw a blue van there. And, of course, where Jeffrey Dahmer worked, there was a blue van uh, that was owned there. So, you know, in Joe Matthews' book, he writes, on page 27, I think it's 26 or 27, he writes... All those blue van sightings, to me, are about as worthless as the sightings of the Loch Ness Monster. So this is John Walsh's knight in shining armor. You know, his, uh, the guy that closed the case, pinning it on this guy, Otis tool, who had nothing to do. Let me tell you, you know, in my book, I list other cases. Well, wait, they, let, let me ask you and, one thing.
1: You said that you uh, you brought up a lawsuit against him?
5: Oh, I did, yes.
1: In what effort? What was the
5: hopes? Well, because... At the time, he refuses to this day to show this manuscript. And Now, he wrote a, a 400-page manuscript and gave it to the police chief and bamboozled the police chief into closing the case based on his manuscript, okay? Now, according to Florida Sunshine Laws, you know, anything that's accepted that in, in a case has to become part of the case files and, and subject to uh, Sunshine Laws.
1: Freedom of information?
5: Public, yeah, public domain. Okay, so anyway, I, I asked for those uh, that file. The Hollywood Police Department refused to show it to me. Joe Matthews refused to show me his book. And yet he writes in his book that he wants that manuscript that he wrote to be uh, used by police departments throughout the country as an example of how to solve a case, a cold case, you know, how to investigate a cold case. But yet now all of a sudden when I filed a lawsuit, he refuses to show it to anybody, you know. So I filed a lawsuit against him. Now, the problem is, uh, you know, down here we don't have a justice system. We only have a system because our system is so corrupt, you know, with political expediency. He hires this uh, attorney that donates to these judges, don't, donates money, and down here they have a cap on how much you can donate in Florida. It's $500. But he gets around that law. By donating his five hundred, his wife donates five hundred. His six-year-old daughter donates five hundred. His wife's business donates five hundred. His uh, even younger son donates his five hundred. You know, where does a, a four-year-old get five hundred dollars? I have no clue. What does he know about donating to anybody? But this, this is what they do. So they go before these judges to get favorable decisions, and and you, uh, a common citizen down here, will never get justice because. Listen, I have a letter in the police files. These Morana cops put these letters in their police files. Now, one of those letters, when Joe Matthews gave that manuscript that he wrote to the Hollywood police chief, Chad Wagner, Chad Wagner wrote a letter to the state attorney's office and attached it to that report that he made, that manuscript, saying we would like you to look over this because we would like to close the case based on this manuscript. Okay? So that's pretty clear that they read it and gave it to the state attorney's office. So now the state attorney has their own case files, okay? Now, they don't have that manuscript either. They refused to show it. Mm. But they wrote a letter back when when it was given to them, back to the police chief when they returned it, saying, yes, we agree with everything in this manuscript. What a great report this is showing how Otis 2 murdered Adam Walsh. Okay? Now, which means they accepted it and they read it. Now... How clear is that, that this should be part of the case files? Yet, when I sued, my case was thrown out because they said, well, the, the, the police chief said he didn't use it. It doesn't matter. According to Sunshine Law, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it, because they've been so many wrong so many times before. You know, who's to say their opinions aren't Wrong one more time, and and even if they are wrong or right, it's all irrelevant. Once you accept it, it has to be part of the case files. Nobody has, nobody wants to show it.
1: Let me mention something, Willis, and I'll, I'll mention it to you guys here in studio. Here's here's a part of this. When you were asking me, Doug, where do I stand on this? Does it make sense? Here's an interesting aspect of this. Willis Morgan is publicly on major radio shows and TV interviews, and in a book, saying. This is how you screwed up. This is how you, you lied and covered this stuff up. If it was incorrect and he was besmirching your character, wouldn't you log a lawsuit against him for libel? so, sure. Do you know why somebody wouldn't do that?
4: Well, it's kind of agreement by silence, right?
1: Well, but there's also the case that if I decide to sue Willis because I feel he's, he's uh, tearing down my character... His attorney gets them to depose me, and they can ask any questions they want, which now puts me under the gun. And that suddenly can flip on them real quickly and get this case reopened or reexamined because of that. So it's interesting and very telling to me that by doing nothing regarding all of the allegations that Willis is throwing out there— it it does seem to, to build a bit of a credibility factor to me that
4: No, I agree. So my right. question that is they, they're
1: trying to cover something up.
4: What evidence do they actually have to either prove or disprove this? And it's difficult because, you know, the right the the, the, the possible perpetrators are all dead.
1: Right. Well it was Otis Tools uh, admission. Right. And then recanting. But then he admitted. But then he recanted. Yeah. So you've got a, a known liar who also took and if I remember this correctly, Willis, right? He had stepped up. We don't even know if if this guy killed anybody more than one person. Yeah. But he stepped right. up and and didn't he make claims of killing like some insane amount of people? Fifty or something. I don't remember. It was a lot. How
5: about hundreds? Yeah, <laughs> yeah hundreds.
1: He, okay. He, well, he made claims. And once then, you
4: get past five,
1: it's yeah, a you lot. just stop counting, right? Uh, but <laughs> but the point there were
5: is, detectives were all over the country fighting like traders at the stock market to interview others too. You know, because they wanted to clear cases in their states. And boy, uh, you know, he was a one-man crime stopper. You know, Uh, he was solving cases all over the country. Only after they realized that the timeline's clashed. You can't be in New Jersey and California (coughs) within the same hour. And so one by one, they all dismissed him except for one police department, and that's the Hollywood Police Department. But eventually they dismissed him as well. Except for that one detective we talked about.
1: So, yeah, that only- to me is an interesting aspect of this case. With about five minutes left here, uh, give us some of the most compelling uh, arguments for you as well, uh, Willis, to wrap up so people that are still on the fence can, can see a little bit more into the, the uh, rabbit hole you've been taking us into.
5: Well, I went to the Hollywood Police Department, you know, after, just before they closed the case, okay? And I went there and tried to uh, have an appointment with the police chief, Chad Wagner. And he had his goonies do all but threaten me with arrest, telling me that I just admitted I was at the Hollywood Mall that day. For all they know, I could have done it. They said, how would you like it if we arrest you right now? And this one detective backs up a couple steps with a smirk on his face and folds his arm like a tough guy and says, so, do you think you want to come back here again? These are the kind of detectives we're dealing with. I mean, obviously, that didn't threaten me. I mean, it's a joke. I'd love for them to arrest me.
1: Right. You know, and but... I'd
5: love for Joe Matthews to sue me. I dare him in my book to sue me. You know, what you said about him is it doesn't even touch the surface about what I say about him in my book. I mean, I call him every scathing thing you can imagine in my book. And yet he does nothing except to go on Amazon and write a one-star review about my book called This is a Junk of a Book. You've got to go read it. And then the two story book is well, two story view as well. Frustrated witness is a domino theory to nowhere. Those are them.
1: But here's the funny thing, right? A domino theory won't work if there aren't other dominoes to fall into, <laughs> right? If the, if it's not making sense and saying that this domino theory falls into nowhere, but you've you've illustrated a pretty compelling story and tying it to a guy who was there that even his own father believes he had a hand in this murder and said so at the time. It's, it's, right. I understand the title, Frustrated Witness, and how so many of the witnesses, and you've been kind enough to bring them on to different shows with me that have also right. seen him, encountered him, and knew that he was active and in that area. And right. certainly now, you know, and Doug brought up a quick point. Where was Dahmer originally from? Was it like Indiana or something?
5: No, he was from Ohio.
1: Ohio, that's right. So then he went into the military, he ended up in Florida, then, of course, eventually in Milwaukee, where his, his killing spree finally came to an end. Um, but during any of this, did Dahmer ever try to lay claim to it? Or you said that he kind of, you know, gave a a statement. Did, did, uh, can you tell us what that was?
5: Well, to the FBI agent that was interrogating him or interviewing him, he told him, he says, listen, Neil says, you know, anybody that confesses to Adam won't live a week in prison. So that's what he said. And, and well, he didn't make it very long as I recall. That is a near confession.
1: I think he made it a year or two in yeah, prison. Yeah, maybe.
5: Yeah, let, let me let me explain something to you. What what, what you were saying about Matthews and, and, and filing a lawsuit against me? I would love for them to do that because then, keep in mind, that would be a lawsuit in front of a civil jury, right? Was not held hostage to political expediency,
1: right? And civil juries have you have to do less uh, proof as well to. Uh, to kind of get that case I don't need less proof. There's all
5: the proof you want if you read the book. Let me say real quick, if anybody, I'm not asking anybody to buy the book, but at least go on Amazon and read the one and two-star review, as well as comments other reviewers gave to those stupid uh, reviews. But read that. You can go to my website. It's free, frustratedwitness.com, and listen to some of the uh, interviews with other witnesses and listen to one interview on, on the Convicting the Innocent page that Joe Matthews did on a radio show bloviating about how Otis 2 ate all his victims, including, quote-unquote, Adam. And then when I heard that radio show, I called them, and I told them who they just did an interview with, and they let me and Mia Taylor, who you, who you know, Dave, do, do another interview. So I put those two interviews side by side. Listen to Joe's interview and listen to um, Mia and myself, and you decide who you think is telling the truth. That time I was threatened with arrest, I was so incensed, I went out and paid, because they refused to give me one, I went out and paid for my own polygraph test. And of course I passed with flying colors.
1: Willis, thank you for continuing to beat the drum and try to keep this story out there. And how often do you hear the uh, author say, you don't even have to buy my book, just go read the reviews? Yeah. That's, the, again, another piece of the puzzle. But I, I recommend if you want a compelling read and you're into the aspect of true crime and, and would like to see this full narrative unfold before you, pick up the book, Frustrated Witness, and, and check it out. Willis, uh, thank you again for coming on and spending some time. Thank you. And as you, uh, if, if any other news breaks, please let us know. We'd love to visit with you again. That's it uh, for today, and and wrapping up uh, the Tom Bernard show. It's always good to sit in with you guys. Thank you for being a part well, of this. It was with a blast. Me. What do you guys think when you hear a case like this, and then there's a new shot of invigoration? Should should we out of is, so, is justice still important for the for the that's for the it, that's victim?
4: A, they're really a great question. So, the victim's obviously dead, right? Uh, the is and his this parents oddest, want to move is past this tool guy dead, too? yes, and Dahmer's dead. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. at some point, it's like. So we're trying to solve this because, yeah.
1: Well, I understand the want and desire that you know the truth should be told. Yeah, accurate and especially in record, this case, that. it should be. And and who is the voice of the victim if, if somebody is if nobody else is? But stepping that was up. the
4: point because obviously I don't know anything about it. Or right. Just the the basics everybody knows. But what physical evidence do they have that if let's say they decided to reinvestigate this? Yeah. Yeah, what yeah are that's all Point point. I don't know. Yeah, it would be interesting to have
1: somebody. I can't, I can't believe Netflix or somebody else hasn't stepped up to take this book and, and reexamine it. Get
4: making That's
1: what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, hey, check me out, Midnight in the Desert, Monday through Friday. You can check me out at midnightinthedesert.com. And tomorrow uh, you guys have some comedians coming in. You've got uh, Tom back on Monday. Thank you for tuning in to the Tom Bernard Show.